This is Freedom Studios podcast. I'm Aisha Khan, co-artistic director of Freedom Studios. In today's episode, I'll be talking to screenwriter Lisa Holdsworth. Lisa has been writing since 2011. Her work includes Fat Friends, Emmerdale and New Tricks. More recent work has been for Ackley Bridge, Call the Midwife and Waterloo Road. Also joining me is director Cash Arshad. Cash is director of Black Teeth and a Brilliant Smile. His previous directing work includes Airplays for Lee's Playhouse, Memories of Partition for the Royal Exchange Theatre, as well as associate directing work on When We Were Brothers and North Country for Freedom Studios. So Lisa, let's start with you. Can you tell me a little bit about your journey as a writer? I was obsessed with writing stories and also was a terrible liar as a child. (laughs) I was always making things up and I loved any creative writing at school from being very, very young. I loved just being given a title and told to go off and write something. Um, And so it was always there. I come from um, a family that didn't have the same educational opportunities as me, but everybody's got some little kernel of creativity, whether it's cooking or sewing or crafting or painting. Uh, and I, so I think it's just my outlet. And so from uh, fast forward past school and did English GCSE and then theatre studies A-level and went to university to study um, film and theatre, purely academic, never mm. picked up a, a camera or stood on a stage. And then, But whilst I was there, wrote my first screenplay called Jackie's Wedding. And that was the screenplay that when I was working for Kay Mellor, she read and got me my first job. Oh, brilliant. So how did that happen? So you've left university, you've Mm. got this script. Did you just sort of send it to production companies? I'd sent it to a few agents looking for an agent. And uh, actually, the the woman who's my agent now had been interested in it, but said, oh, what else of yours have you got to do? And it's like, it's taken me four years to (laughs) write that in amongst doing a degree and all the rest of it. And she said, get back in touch when you've written something else. I had a job in factual television just as a dog's body. And I happened to work with Kay Mellor's son-in-law. And I just handed the script over nervously one afternoon and said, do you think your mother-in-law would read this? And he said, oh, I'll put it on the pile. She gets a lot, you know. But she, he must have put it on the top of the pile, bless him. So he, he gave me my first real break. Um, and then a couple of weeks later, I met Kay at some family do. And she told me everything that was wrong with the script. And I, I went away thinking, oh, well, that's uh, that's that then. <laughs> um, and she rang me up a little bit later and said... Um, actually, you are good at writing, you've got some natural Mm. skills, we need to develop this, that and the other. Uh, And a couple of months later, um, I went to work as her personal assistant, which was, again, just another dog's body job. Um, And whilst I was there, she decided to make the series of Fat Friends. Mm. um, And I realised there was a gap where Mira Sayal should have been doing an episode because it was a Story of the Week series. Uh, And I pitched a story for a new family to come into the show. And that was my first episode. Oh, brilliant. So I think from that I've got, it's about being bold. It is. It's have your script ready to go. And I'd say to anybody who, in whatever bit of writing you want to do, whether it's Mm. screen or stage, um, you only get better by doing more writing. Write and write and write until until you are not embarrassed to let it off your desk, that you're not embarrassed for someone else to read it. And then just keep sending it out and keep writing Mm. and your skills will improve. Um, The job of a first draft is to be rubbish. Everybody's first drafts are terrible. And so don't fall at the first hurdle and go, well, Mm. I've written something, I've finished it, and now it's awful. The rewriting is where you really, really learn your craft. Yeah, absolutely. I think we say to a lot of our writers, the craft is in sitting down with your second draft and making it better. Absolutely. And it's amazing, things that you 
were so married to in the first draft and you were you know th- that scene you sweated over for two days you come back during your second draft and you go oh well that can go it's a lot of rubbish and you have to give yourself a gap so you fall out of love with it and you you can look at it and think i know what how to make it better yeah and like you said keep on writing Absolutely. Keep on practicing. And, and it will don't help. get obsessed. Your films, your thing, that's great, but write short films, write scenes, write a monologue. You know, play mm. around with your craft. Once you've got the dialogue and the structure in place, mm. have a play around, see what else you can write. Don't rule out the stage. There's opportunities there. Write prose, write a blog, whatever. Write radio. The pictures are better in radio. <laughs> so, you know, yep. d- absolutely. It's. So cheap, all you need is a pen and a piece of paper. Yeah. So you might as well crack on. Yeah, that's lovely. And um, and Cash, you were um, an actor before you ventured into directing. So do you want to just yeah. kind of talk a little bit about how how that's changed for you? Yeah, I, um, I stopped being an actor because I realised I wasn't very good. I was watching a lot of people and, and I realised that I don't have the depth that you need to be a really really good actor I was always an okay actor it was you worked thing. for freedom didn't you that's yeah. how we met originally and I all and you know I always worked and I did okay but it wasn't until I started actually my wife she went back to retrain as an actor again she was an actor but she went back to retrain and talking to her about the the depth of the training and and what it is to be mm. an amazing actor. I realised I didn't have that and I didn't have the desire to do that. But I knew that I wanted to 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 work in in theatre. So when I was doing, I think one of my last jobs actually as an actor was for Freedom Studios mm. just before you and Alex took over, and um, I had directed little bits throughout my acting career. And I'm like, I wonder if that's something that I would be interested in and um and before that a friend of mine had asked me to to direct a little fringe thing that she was doing but she happened to be taking it out to switzerland and that was really nice and i really enjoyed it so i asked i think it was i think it was you actually stood in bradford interchange i think it was actually we just kind of landed in the middle of a new of a production yeah (laughs) and he came over to me and said oh can i can you apply for this course for three months and and I think I just said, yeah, I'll go and do it. Yeah. And yeah. I did. And you did. And there's the RTYDS three-month placement with you guys on Chip Shop the Musical, um, where I was assisting, where I ended up being an assistant director on that to, to Ben, who was the director. And it was during that placement that I realised that this is actually what I want to do and what I'm actually, touch wood, uh, quite good at. And yeah, you've been, been with bit... Freedom, haven't you, now, for nearly two years. Mm. So that's kind of been a nice journey for you, hasn't it, where you've started off in a very sort of short time yeah. and then it's grown into a longer sort of attachment with the company. Yeah. And now you're here directing Black Teeth and a Brilliant Smile, yes. which is our next production. Yes. And Lisa, you've had the pleasure of of writing that play. So um, when Freedom came to you, so me and Alex had this book and we thought, this is great, it's about... Bradford, it's about Andrew Dunbar, and we approached you about it. What what was it about that book that made you say yes and actually want to dramatise it for us? I think it's it's an extraordinary story that has been 
slightly forgotten. It, it's interesting. We've landed this play in the middle of a year where Andre Dunbar's having a resurgence. Ritsu mm. and Bob Two's back out on tour. There's a lot of interest suddenly in it. I think due in no small part to the fact that we're doing this play. Mm. Um, and so reading the story of a coming from an ordinary house, albeit a, a very troubled one, which not reflective of my experience, um, her pushing through, her having the same experience, which is she enjoyed writing at school and someone encouraged her to keep it going, yeah. uh, knowing that she wanted to do something in this world, but, but not knowing how to get there, and then having someone advocate for her, someone uh, mentor her, um, it was such a familiar story. There was so much about mm. it that resonated with me on the personal level, but also on, on a bigger level. That something that that I do is I'm, I'm the deputy chair of the, of the Writers Guild, and, and one of the things we're really working on now is good access to writing opportunities for people from every background. And I, as I was reading it, I was doing the the research into that as well, the statistics, which I won't bore you with. Um, <laughs> And realising how it's still about luck and um, someone seeing you and being seen that gets you where you need to be. Mm. And how it's all in the lap of the gods and people with enormous privilege don't realise they've got that privilege. They can pick you up and drop you. And I think that happened to Andrea quite a lot. She was the flavour of the month one Mm. minute. And then she was back at Budshaw. I'm very happy to be in Budshaw. She loved that place. But back there feeling adrift, not showing, not sure where she belonged. Um, it's quite hard to navigate that world if you're not familiar with yeah. it. And that's the privilege, isn't it, that you, if you are a writer and you, you can access those things or you're from a background where those things are not a problem, mm. you know, you, you know everything about it, you, people can help you. And I think we massively underestimate how it feels to feel uncomfortable in places. Mm. Take that feeling of you're at a party where you only know one person and that one person has gone to the bathroom and then times it by a million yeah. and I think that's how some people feel in arts venues in places where they've been consistently told you don't belong mm. and every signifier tells them this is not for you yeah. the language is different how people talk mm. about things people talk in acronyms people use jargon and it is so excluding mm. um, and eventually if you like me you, you pass you learn it all and you learn to talk a good fight but this, that feeling of discomfort, I don't think, ever goes away. And do you think that's one of the reasons why it's important to, to dramatise and tell this story right now? Absolutely. You've touched and, on? and I love that, that for the, the bulk of the, of the tour, we're doing it in non-theatre spaces. Theatres are a lovely place, and I like being in them. But if you're trapped in there with something that's quite boring, and this play's not going to be boring, <laughs> then it's an awful experience. And I wonder yeah. how many people have been <coughs> once and been put off. Because mm. what was up on the stage didn't relate to them it was it was quite dull but you're not allowed to say it's dull that's not how you describe a play that's all you're frowning if you it's boring don't want to be here mm. um and actually i think more of us should do that and mm. say actually this is really dull it's not worth my time so would you say that theater should always be entertaining yeah but entertaining entertaining is not bread and circuses mm. it's not mrs brown's boys but if you like that great it can be comedy it can be something that has such a profound emotional experience on you it can can frighten you can make you cry make you angry the language should be entertaining it shouldn't be excluding and that's i love shakespeare i really love it and i have but i have to remind myself every time i sit down to watch shakespeare relax your ear 
because at first it does I tense up yeah. and go, oh I've forgotten this is quite complicated isn't it words I don't recognise and then gradually relax into the story there should be ups and downs and exciting bits if it's just a drone yeah and I've seen players like that I think we all have haven't yeah. we I've, I've walked out of a few yeah over the years um so just to ask Cash this question then um We've got, we're going to come back to Lisa and ask about the writing of the play from mm. the book. But for you, Cash, in terms of this story, um, why are you passionate about directing it? What is it about when you've read the book mm-hmm. and you've seen the script and it's yours to now take on to yeah. the rehearsal stage? What is it about this, this play and this story? A couple of things. When I first read the book, just because I wanted to read the book, I could see it. I could see it on stage. I could see how that would be a really interesting thing to watch. And the book is is so entertaining. It is an entertaining read. So it, the the kind of the cogs were already going. And then I started to think about my my place in at Freedom Studios and in Bradford because obviously I'm not from Bradford originally. Uh, part of my placement, I have to do. I, have, I don't have to, but I, <laughs> I get the opportunity. You are here to do. Yeah. I get the opportunity to to make a, a full show as a as a director, and so it was never going to be something just for me. It had to be something that was reflective of of not just Freedom Studios, but also something that belongs in and for Bradford because this has been my home for the past two years, and 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 I love it, and I wanted to do something that spoke to Bradford and spoke about Bradford and something that you know and the more that I looked into Andrea you know obviously we've all seen the film mm. I wasn't really aware of her for for I saw the film when I was about eight you know in a, a bootleg copy of the <laughs> the naughty film mm. as it was back then but I didn't realize just how influential she was and the the more I looked into it the more I guess and the annoyed I got that there was nothing in Bradford to celebrate her and to for the people of Bradford to kind of go, yes, she is a daughter of Bradford and she is someone mm-hmm. we should be proud of. And I hope that, that, that that's one of the reasons why I wanted to do this show is to, to bring her to the fore again mm-hmm. as well. Thank you. We've got a fantastic script, haven't we? Yeah. We've got to say we've got a really fantastic Absolutely. script, which we are very excited about um, bringing yep. to everybody. So, Lisa, you've got a book and you've got to make it into a play. How'd you start? We have to read it first. Well, that's <laughs> always a good start, yeah. So I read, I, I read it a just... A couple of times. <laughs> read, it, read it as I, I would do a novel, and then I went back through it, and, and I'm quite a fan of stations of coloured pens and post-it yeah. notes and things like that, and marked up things that I thought I could dramatise interestingly on stage, things that I thought were really important I absolutely shouldn't miss out, bits of dialogue that I really wanted to lift out because Adele is... is an, an enormously talented writer and her dialogue is actually really mm. good so she's made my job very very easy and then I had to start thinking about the staging and so I wrote what um, some people call a riot draft some people call a vomit draft I call it a kitchen sink draft mm. uh, and I went away to Scotland for a week and weirdly ran a bookshop but whilst I was there um, just wrote a draft that I put the kitchen sink and put everything in and it was very rough around the edges um, but the characters were beginning to speak to me and, and particularly uh, we have two Andreas in this play, a young Andrea and an older Andrea. Those two start to speak a little bit. Elaine who is, um, not Elaine, Eileen, 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 Eileen <laughs> who is um, 
Andrea's best friend is a compound character representative of her friends across the years. Her mum, people like that start, start to really talk to me. And so after I'd got some, some notes from Your Good Self, then um, that was that was a great edit because it was um, get off the leash, enjoy this. Because also you want to be respectful to Adele's mm. work as well. Um, and then starting to really play with the theatricality of them, who's talking to each other, how are we playing with this idea of um, all these people in a room together. It's not it's not a traditional play. It's not mm. a now a new scene, and now mm. another scene. It runs in together, almost stream of consciousness, and then that then it really became fun. Yeah, thanks, fun. thanks for that. Yeah, sorry. Uh, <laughs> that's well, you, you made it sound really easy, Lisa, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> if I do say so myself. Um, and... and and when I, I read the script and I read the book as well, and I think it's been um, a really interesting journey for myself as a dramaturg and uh, part of the company, looking at the book and seeing it shaped into a play. And it is very fluid. It does move around really cleverly um, in and out of various locations and spaces. Um, and I, I know it'll be a great piece when we finally see it in its glory. For you then, as a writer, w- was there anything in particular that you really wanted to tease out? What was the main thing that you wanted to... Um, tell your audiences. I think everybody knows the tragedy of Andrea's life, yeah. the death, more than anything, and the fact that she came from a home where there was physical abuse, um, and the you know all that stuff is well reported to the point of being over-reported. Mm. And very, um, a couple, it's weird. A couple of years ago, um, when they were reviving Rita Sue and Bob Two, I read a review that finished with the line, and of course Andrea Dunbar drank herself to death. The age twenty nine. Well, it, it's not true. She didn't drink herself to death. She died of a brain hemorrhage, um, and it just made me so angry. I, I got quite vocal on social media, mm-hmm. and quite a few people backed me up. Um, and I'm sure it made absolutely no difference to um, the. Uh, review that I believe was from the Telegraph. I'm sure he doesn't care. Um, so when that book landed on my desk, then I wanted to bring out the cleverness, the smartness, mm. the wicked tongue, the fun of it. Um, Adele gave me a brilliant note that's not actually in the book, but early on, she said the thing about Andrea is she could start a fight in a graveyard. She was not an easy woman to be around. But I'm sure you'd have a good time if you did go around with her. She was um, joyous and she loved people. That's I think all writers do. There's very few misanthropic writers. We like people. We want to. We might stand back and be an observer, but we like interplay and how people talk to each other. And and Andrea's work was full of that. Mm. And do you think then this play will go towards somewhere towards helping us to change our perception of Andrea in her life? In, like, as you've said, she drunk herself to death. Well, she didn't, though, did she? No. So do you feel that this is the time that where we will readdress all of that and people have a new view of her? God, I really, really hope so. I think there's a problem that people do have a set idea of what mm. working-class people, how working-class pl- people live. I think that's perpetuated by the press. Jeremy Kyle is a hate crime every morning mm. <laughs> on our ter- television. Um, and so that idea of the undeserving poor is with us. I hope it goes just a a micro millimetre towards changing that. It has. Um, I think from what from what you've written, it it does it does exactly that. It does exactly that. It doesn't it it's not poverty porn. No. You know, which we see so much of. What it does is it shows this this troubled woman she was a real person yeah. you know she had she loved and she lived and she had friends and she laughed and she had fun 
and and that's exactly what what you have brought out from the book. It's one of the biggest things that I picked up from the book was that, yeah. and you've you've teased that out beautifully. I think. Oh, thank you very much. Well, I hope so. Yeah, and I suppose in a way that um, it's right and proper to be presenting this play in Bradford mm. at this time, isn't it? Yeah. Because it's going to be bring it's going to be bringing up all those sort of issues mm. and providing conversations about access to the arts you know somebody yeah. uh, her, from her working class background um, and hopefully people can go away and think a little bit more about opportunities yeah. um, so yeah that's really interesting I've got one sort of final question before we sort of wrap up here is we've got a novel which Adele's written that's her authored voice and we've got a play which is your voice how how do those two marry together is it difficult or is it quite easy to do I think uh, the first draft was cautious um, and, and, you know, there's there's an unspoken thing between writers that respect for each other's work and I hope that Adele thought I was being respectful and actually having conversations with Adele and she, she vocalised, this mm-hmm. is yours now, take it on, you know, I'm passing the baton to you. So by the second draft, I think my voice is definitely in there and there's a few turns of phrases that because I'm, Yorkshire born and bred they've come from my family that have sn- snuck their way in there so uh, when the show's on in Farsley all my family are coming down to watch it um, and I think there'll be a few uh, random laughs that you're not expecting because it'll be my family laughing at those turns of phrases but yeah I think it's um, Adele's guiding hand on my shoulder as mm. I write and I think as well just coming back to you using phrases of your family we, we all do that as writers don't we mm. we kind of we're always looking and listening and finding things so as we wrap up we are about to go into rehearsals. Mm-hmm. Cash, how are you feeling? Nervous. Little bit nervous. Uh, I, I have no real reason to be because from my perspective, I've got all the ingredients that I need. You know, I've got an amazing script. I have a brilliant cast. I've got a brilliant uh, team working on it as well. So, yeah, I've nothing to really be worried about, but I am nervous um, it's exciting though it is, isn't it it is really it's exciting really, really times exciting. i can't i actually can't wait it's come around so fast <laughs> it's come around so fast but i actually can't wait to just to to get in the room and start putting on its feet and putting this 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 amazing show together it's quite nice to be able to put all the producing side aside isn't mm. it we, as a company we seem to be doing a lot of that and then if you've got that three weeks of sheer bliss of being in a rehearsal yeah, room with actors. Absolutely. How about yourself, Lisa? How are you feeling at this point? This, I mean, this is no. This is the bit where you start to feel a bit exposed because in your head, <laughs> you, with you doing all the parts and all the voices, <laughs> it is a work of genius. <laughs> um, and now you have to say there'll be in the read through next week. There'll be things there. I think, oh, that's awful. That'll have to change. Or <laughs> you know, and then, but the glorious thing is about, and this is true for television and mm. for theatre is. When I come back to it, because my job now is to get out of the way, um, when I come back to it, um, whatever it is now, the actors and cash will have added another 100, 200% to it. And I'll be going, that is fantastic. I didn't think of it, but I'm going to take the credit for it. Uh, it will look brilliant. Yeah. I have no doubt of it. And it's that whole thing of theatre being a collaboration. Everybody mm. brings mm. something to it at this point, don't they? And you come back and you're surprised, yeah. hopefully in a really good way, about it all. <laughs> That's brilliant. Well, thank you very much. Just a reminder that Black Teeth and a Brilliant Smile will open on the 30th of May at the Ambassadors until the 8th of June. And then we'll be touring to community and theatre venues in the region. I hope to see you there. <laughs>